Welcome to After the JAG Corps, Navigating Your Career Progression, a podcast for judge advocates leaving military service. After the JAG Corps assists officers transitioning from the military law practice by learning from individuals who have successfully embarked on new careers, providing insight on rewarding professional opportunities, job search strategies, resumes, the value of your military experience, and more. Now, here is your host, Tom Welsh. Today on After the JAG Court, Navigating Your Career Progression, we are talking to James Trishman, a Army veteran who is now in private practice with a firm named Veteran Legal out of Tampa, Florida. So James, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. So James, we're going to talk about the disability process here in a few minutes, but if you wouldn't mind opening up the podcast by giving us a little bit of background about yourself. Sure. I uh, went to uh, Princeton College back in late 90s, played football, and then I actually stumbled across ROTC and signed an ROTC scholarship. Got an Ed DeLay commission in like 2001, got an Ed DeLay, went to the University of Georgia School of Law. So I'm a big bulldog. I'm from Athens, Georgia originally as well. And then I went in to serve my active duty time off in the uh, U.S. Army JAG Corps, served eight and a half active. I got out and started my own practice, a little niche in military criminal defense. I did that for about four years. And then I went all in and started a new practice doing representing veterans on appeal before the VA, specifically compensation appeals before the VA. Veterans law can be very, very broad, everything from barrel benefits to health care, but specifically my, you know, my specialty is in compensation claims. And is your clientele sort of all over the country or is it mostly in the Tampa area? No, it is all over the country. So I looked at a client in every single state. I currently represent over 6,000 veterans. We've gotten our clients over $75 million in back pay, and that doesn't include the future benefits. So we're all over. In fact, we got guys in Germany as well, guys over, you know, some guys just moved to, I think I got a guy in the Middle East who just moved there randomly. So we're, we're all over. I want to come back in a little bit to your practice and what we talked about, especially that you help a lot of people get back pay and a lot of appeals and those that maybe didn't file right away. But I got to ask you, when you were in Army JAG Corps, did you ever think ahead about your own VA disability rating or uh, that, hey, I've been injured, I can get money for me? I didn't know one thing about the VA disability process or anything about it. I was stationed in D.C. A buddy of mine who worked a few offices down left me a goodbye note and made me promise to stick it up on my wall. And it said, promise me you'll do your VA disability claim for you when you get out. And like he stuck it on my wall. So when I got out maybe a year or two later, it was still there. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll do whatever this is. And you did that when you left active duty and not the reserves, right? That's correct. You did, in fact, honor that request to his, and you did look into the, your VO and VA disability rating? Sure. That's the first time I stumbled across it and learned about it. Yeah, that was my first experience with the VA disability. You said you got out, you started a military criminal defense firm, and we know that that's a starving business because soldiers, Marines, airmen sailors and now guardians never get in trouble. But how is it that you came to jump into the VA or excuse me, the disability business full time? Sure. So when I was doing military criminal defense, I specialized in military appeals. So my guys were already convicted and I was having a lot of success getting cases overturned. And then because I got their case overturned, I got their dishonorable discharge thrown out. So then all these guys that didn't qualify for benefits now qualified and they were like, can you help me? I added it on to a part of my old practice, but there's so many more veterans than there are guys in jail, right? And so it just it ended up just taking off because I think the potential there, and I think our vets are really underserved in this area of law. 
So it was a combination of that's how I stumbled across it. I added it to my existing practice. But then when I really got into it, I shut down the the criminal defense portion of it and opened up a pure VA disability uh, appeal practice. And as we talked, you've got a decent sized practice now, right? You've got several attorneys working for you or several employees. We represent currently over, I think, 6,000 veterans at this time. I have over 30 employees and a lot of uh, ex-military, half of our certified paralegals, a couple attorneys. So we really try to create a system to assist you know, certain veterans on appeal with, their, with the VA. So how should one approach the VA disability rating process? What guidance do you have? And what should be the mindset as you embark on this process? Whether or not you're coming off active duty or whether or not 20 years later you decide to file your first claim, I'm going to call these five main elements, right? You're going to have to hit these five main points if you're going to want to receive compensation and back pay. And so even just looking at from a, a veteran coming off active duty, it's the same. One, you have to be a veteran. I mean, you have to have served honorably active duty. I'm not going to get into that. There's a whole body of law about it. But if you're coming off active duty and you're retiring, I'm going to assume that you're going to get an honorable discharge and you qualify as a veteran. That's an easy one. The next one, and this is really big for guys coming off active duty, right? This is the biggest one. And it is the second element is you have to have a qualifying disability. There has to be something wrong with you. I get calls from guys saying they want to file for burn pits and this and that, but that isn't a disability. You might have inhaled burn pit smoke for a month straight and have the best lungs in the world. I doubt it, right? I seriously doubt it. But my point is, though, is that there's got to be a disability associated with that, whether it be asthma. A manifestation in some way. Right. And that manifestation is going to be from symptoms. We're not doctors. I'm not a doctor. When a guy comes off active duty, he might not know the medical term what he has. So you don't have to nail the term disability. But if your feet hurt you and you get off, you don't know if you have plantar fasciitis or maybe, you know, a sprained ankle or whatever it is, you can claim feet problems. And the VA has a duty to assist. So it's really up to the VA to help figure out what that is. The first thing I would say when you're coming off active duty is just take a subjective snapshot of how you're feeling, starting with your toes and working way all the way up to your head. What bothers you in any way? Forget about whether something happened on active duty yet. Just take that inventory of, you know, maybe you walk a little bit different. Most military guys, this is the problem I have even with like special force guys. They're probably the most broke, beat up guys there are, but they're also the most hardcore that don't want to admit that they're in pain or something happened. So that's why I said just kind of it's time to take like a personal just inventory of what, after all this time serving, again, whether it's a year or, or 30 years, what is bothering you or could be bothering you or just you notice and start there. That's what's going to form a disability. You know, you could put head, shoulders, knees, and toes on there and work with the VA and try to figure out what this is bothering you. That's the first recommendation I have is put all that down. And the VA has a responsibility to help figure out what the actual disabilities are and rate you for them. Whether they get it right or not, that's kind of more the next step, the next steps. But just a starting point is head to toe, look at yourself of what's bothering you. Without in mind to whether or not it happened before active duty, whether just, again, keep the service connection. That's the third element. Just keep that out of it. What is currently wrong with you? And again, that's going to be most of the time going to be identified by symptoms. You're not going to be like, oh, I have, again, plantar fasciitis. I, I never knew what that was. Most people don't know what sleep apnea was or obstructive sleep apnea. At least they didn't. I think that's more of a recent occurrence. But you know, you have breathing issues. Your wife probably tells you you snore a lot. Your wife, you know, you might wake up gagging for air. So if you wake up when I sleep, I gag for air, that qualifies for sleep apnea. Again, so you don't have to be a doctor when this, you just hit the symptoms and develop it. 
The third is service connection. That means that your current disability has to be related to your active duty service. It could be aggravated from it. Maybe you had it before, but active duty service made it worse. It could have been you know, developed on active duty. It could be secondary from a, another disability to the current active duty. I'm using kind of more layman's terms here. It has to be related to active duty service. And the good news when you're coming off active duty is that every single thing that you're claiming, if it's in your records, is going to be directly related to active duty. Like you don't have to get into secondaries. You don't have to. This is your time to where when you're coming off, you're claiming something. Even if it's not in your records, you can go to the doctor and get evidence that now is your time to go ahead and get that evidence created or get it documented. The good news is coming off active duty is that if you have evidence of the disability, current active duty, service connection is easy. You anticipated a couple questions I have there. You know, I know that I have things in my medical record and I can't trace it to I got injured doing an exercise or doing work on a ship, you know, slip and fell, but I do have stuff occurred to me or done while on active duty. The VA has a duty to assist. So if you have something wrong with you and they were a record of it happening on active duty, the VA has a duty to go find out where that hospital was and get those records. But again, if you have that disability current right now on active duty and you can go get it documented, even if you go to a doctor tomorrow, it's still going to have the same effect because you're on active duty and you have this disability documented. And you could probably be a real nitpicky legal guy and be like, well, that's not 100% true. Well, I could do a lot worse than saying that. Getting the disability document on your active duty is going to solve 99% of the time the service connection issue. So you don't need to go find on the aircraft carrier you were on when you fell on the steps and broke your leg. Here's proof I broke my leg and I'm on active duty and you can see the scar from surgery. It can be that simple, but you need to be proactive. Where people get in trouble is I was on an aircraft carrier, never got records for it. 20 years later, I'm trying to claim it happened on active duty and I never got confirmation that I broke my leg on active duty. That's where people run into trouble. So you got to be a veteran, qualifying disability, service-connected. What's the fourth element? Now, at this point, if we have the first three, we have a service-connected disability. But again, we're talking about, in this case, the goal of the compensation claim is to, in this case, to get payment. The next is the degree of disability. And so that means is what percentage are you getting? And it ranges all the way from 0% to 100%. And each disability, how it's determined, has its own rating system. And that rating system is determined off symptoms. I bring out the term symptom again. The severity of the symptoms are going to determine the degree of disability. So perfect example is mental health. Mental health ranges all the way from 0% to 100%. Let's say that during active duty service, you go and, and I know this is a sensitive subject for some people, but again, this is nothing to be you know, ashamed of, thing, this is benefits you're entitled to. If you went to go you know, seek mental health treatment on active duty, claim mental health. If you're 100% fine and you say that, hey, I've got, you know, I had depression, but I feel 100%, it doesn't affect me at all, you'll still get service connected for depression, but they'll probably give you 0% rating. And then depending on your symptoms, how it affects your lifestyle, uh, how maybe it affects your work, your sleep, interaction with others, it could go all the way up to, it goes from 0 30%, 50%, 70%, 100%. So let's say I'm one of those people say, so yeah, I've had depression before. I went through a period. Why should I go get a rating if they're going to put it at 0%? What's the significance there of, of getting as even a 0% rating? Glad you brought that up because I almost corrected myself. Because kind of I was talking about the five elements and in terms of, hey, how to get money. Well, it's not, it's not always about money, right? You might be 100% fine right now, and you won't get payments from the VA for this, right? But 20 years from now, maybe your mental health greatly deteriorates. 
and you then maybe qualify for, you know, again, this back pattern, greatly deteriorates, maybe qualify for 70% or 100%. When you file a claim, you don't have to prove service connection now. All you have to do is show the symptoms have worsened, which is a lot easier to do than to go back and say, well, you know, I'm, I'm really bad now, but on active duty, uh, this happened to me, and now you're really fighting over service connection and not the degree of disability. There is an individual that was uh, very adamant about giving his heart service connected, even though it was at 0%. There wasn't any money in this form, but he's older. He knew that getting his heart condition, even though right now might not be ready to anything, very well later on either could worsen or what could cause, you know, end up causing his death, which would then entitle his wife to benefits. It goes to your point. There is, if you're 100% fine, it is still okay to claim something that happened to you on active duty if, you, if you're diagnosed for it. Again, I kind of contradict myself a little bit because I'm like, hey, do a head-to-toe examination of yourself. Well, if you're 100% fine, you're probably not going to claim mental health. But it's not how you feel today, right? You might feel 100% fine today. It's also about, you know, what's your, what about your worst day? How do you feel on your absolute worst day? That's really where you should take the inventory. And then, of course, there are things that happen on active duty that even if it's at 0%, you do want to do document. So thank you for uh, bringing that fact pattern up as well. And to your point about symptoms, so it's not enough, for example, that I'm diagnosed with a bad back, that they've gone and looked at the MRI and said, oh, you've got this condition. I've tried to decipher the ratings on myself or whatnot, or what gets you what. And it comes down, you know, a lot of it is how far you can bend over, what's your flexion, yeah. <laughs> right? It comes down to how does it manifest yourself as far as what's the impact to your mobility and your daily health. Is that a true or not so true statement? No, no, you, you nailed it. Especially muscular skeletal issues, they're very objective. I think as military guys coming off, that's like our first thing we go to, right? We don't maybe think of like headaches and acid reflux and IBS and, you know, all of these kind of things that, you know, you're kind of more of like, hey, my knee hurts or I can't bend over as far as I could. And when it comes to musculoskeletal, it generally is going to have to be determined on the use of it, right? How far can you bend over? And the fifth element, what's the fifth element? All right, so that's the effective date. And that, so this is kind of a, I still always use it because theoretically you could get 100% and with the first four elements and get, you know, I think 100% is like $3,500 a month now if you don't have any dependents. But the fifth one is the effective date, all right? And that's how far back can you get this claim pushed to get back pay? And that's really one of my main specialties. It's uh, how I you know, charge my legal fees for a certain percentage of back pay. Good thing about calling off active duty, if you file a claim uh, within a year, if you're on active duty, if you come off within a year, it's going to get backdated up to the day after you come off active duty. That's the effective date. And you might have an appeal that goes on for five years, but the effective date is going to be if you keep it open and it's continuous and it's going to go back to the day you came off active duty. So that's the first one to keep in mind. The second one is after that year of coming off active duty, again, I'm, I'm speaking in general terms because there are exceptions to that. There, there are certain disabilities that even if you file within a year, if they're not considered chronic by the VA, they won't be grandfathered in. I want to keep this conversation simple, but understand that I'm speaking in general, okay? So you want to file all your claims before you come off active duty, and that's just something. You're right, the day, your effective date will be the date after. But let's say you don't do anything you file for two years later. Any time after, the earliest effective date, you have to file the claim for it, I guess is my point. I think a good explanation of what I'm trying to articulate. That is, some guys will say, hey, I have had asthma for 
20 years, horrible chronic asthma for 20 years. I was around the burn pits. Can I get it backdated 20 years? No, because she filed the claim for the first time six months ago. So that's the earliest you can get it back. So I understand that if you're coming off active duty, if you file that claim 180 days out from your separation date, that there's some kind of assurance from the VA that it's going to be adjudicated. Now, the question becomes is, is it adjudicated to the degree that you should think it be, which is where the appeals come in, but there will be some sort of adjudication. And I got to tell you, James, a couple of years ago, I thought I was getting out. So I touched base with a VSO and they went through my record. And when she looked at my record, I was quite surprised. She was mentioning things that I would have never thought would have been on a disability, like uh, skin conditions. To me, it it spoke to the volume of having someone who does this for a living look at your record instead of just you and what you think should be filed on that uh, claim. That goes back to, I think, our discussion about, you know, yes, I think when I, the original approach with this was like, hey, Jimmy, how do I get a paid for a compensation claim, right? And, and that's why I started with what's bothering you? Because one day you're going to go have a C&P exam. If you say I'm completely fine, they're going to rate you at 0%. But again, if a medical record review to document everything that happened on active duty, it certainly doesn't hurt anything. And sometimes, like you brought up the skin condition, I think there's a perfect example. Sometimes things happen on active duty that maybe currently don't bother you now, and it's more like a physical manifestation. So if you have a certain type of rash that covers your body, maybe it doesn't bother you at all, but it, it, it you're disfigured. Scars, example, and maybe a scar doesn't bother you that much, but it's uh, it's it's large. That in itself is going to qualify for a certain percentage. So it's not all about pain or feeling necessarily as well. So that's that's a good point. And I think having someone review that record when you come off active duty at the very least won't hurt anything. You talk to different people, and and you know this. The VA disability claims process, maybe it's the advent of the internet, it has grown. And to this day, you know, I talk to people and they'll say, well, I never got around to it. Or I think the VA disability process is for those who are no kidding, have lost a limb or sustained a a serious combat injury. I'm fine. And I'm not going to file a claim. What do you say to those folks? I think you stated it better than I could a little while ago, maybe even our preliminary discussion is that you served this time, you put your your body, the very least, at the very minimum, you put your body on the line for your country. There are laws specifically written of what you're entitled to, that by pursuing them, you're not taking advantage of anything. The system is created for you as a member who served our military. So I think it'd be unfortunate not to just like any other benefit, right? You, you wouldn't have a guy, and I'm not talking about making stuff up, right? Right. I mean, what it is, to, again, if you do that kind of inventory of what I talked about, what what bothers you, what what's in your medical records that maybe could affect you later on that you want to claim? You, know, you, you don't see guys waiving their retirement. You know, and that's, you know, you can say serving 20 years is a pretty nice benefit and, and, and receive that retirement. You don't see guys waiving that. That's something you're entitled to. And I would, I would, strongly encourage people to to approach applying for a VA disability with the same same vigor. I mean, it's a, and it's not just for yourself. It could be for your family later on. It could involve uh, not so much for retiree, but healthcare issues. There's just all kinds of, all kinds of even later on down the line benefits that it could, it could really, it could really trigger to help not just you, but other ones. I always say this too, at the very least, right? 
if you don't think you should, you know, you don't feel right taking VA disability money, do it anyway and, and donate the money to your favorite charity. And to your point, James, about benefits for your family, you know, one thing that I did not know and, and only recently learned, like within the last two years, maybe year, is that there is a whole slew of secondary benefits, for example, in Virginia. If you're declared at least 90% permanently and totally disabled, your kids can each get eight semester free at Virginia University. If you're 100%, I think you do not pay Virginia state real estate tax on your house. So there's all these secondary or tertiary benefits that may come from your disability rating as well. Here's a great one. A lot of them are state specific. Florida, you don't have to pay real estate tax if you're 100%. But a big one, and this is huge, right? Because what is one VA benefit that everybody either does use or should use that is everyone's entitled to? And that is your VA mortgage benefit, right? I mean, it's almost a no-brainer. When I say no-brainer, in my experience, that the rates you get, the ability to qualify, really the VA, the VA mortgage is, is a special, unique opportunity that if you're buying a house, that very least you need to look into if not absolutely used. Going back to your point, if you are 10%, <clears throat> there's this thing when you use the VA, you use the VA mortgage, it's called a VA funding fee, and it's a certain percentage of the loan. And it can, it can be pretty hefty because if you, you know, the bigger your loan is, the bigger that fee is. If you're ready at 10%, that fee is waived and you can refi, you know, every six months in Virginia, on my Virginia, I think I refied three times for free and I never had to pay the funding fee. And every single time the rates went down, I just re kept on refi. It was, it was pretty extraordinary in, in uh, Virginia, Florida. It's not as user friendly as Virginia in that category. But the point is that is like the ultimate secondary 10%. I guarantee you, if you did 20 20 years, you're getting 10% for something. Like, it's just it's statistically impossible with the way the law is written to do 20 years for you not to have some type of 10% rating for something that happened in that 20 years. It's just, like, literally, like, I think it's just impossible. <laughs> that in itself is an example of, you know, 10% isn't much, but some of the, the benefits that go with it. Almost every state, I think, offers some type of real estate VA benefit, even if it's not, even if it's not the full amount of real estate taxes, some type of exemption for, for VA, even 10% or higher. So there's really, and again, I, I don't, the list is very long and it's different per, per state. So I, I can't write them all off, but sure. just to highlight the, I think the importance of, of, of knowing that as well. Let's switch gears a little bit. I did not listen to your advice. I did not pursue a disability rating as I left active duty. And now I'm six months, 12 months, two years out. And I now go, gee, I'm going to go file that claim. I, and I know I have these things in my record. I should be able to get the same rating, right? It's just going to be more difficult. I'd put it that way. And, but I would still follow the original the advice I gave. And that is just forget about active duty for a minute and what happened on active duty. And that is what is wrong with you now? What's bothering you now on your worst day? Maybe the days you don't want to get out of bed or days you can't sleep at night. You're going to come up with a list of things, right? That's the starting point. And I also say, file all those. Now, some of those, you know, you have to do some legwork to, to figure out where it happened on active duty, tell the VA where it happened, try to get the records, because you're going to need to get something service-connected directly from when you were on active duty, whether it's presumptive or direct. Let's just say you, your back example. Say you hurt your back on an uh, aircraft carrier. 
well, they're going to need some type of record of that to prove it happened on active duty. Right? So let's just say you file for your back and you file for mental health um, and you file for uh, headaches. If the back is the only thing you find records for, right, there's other ways I can get the mental health and headaches, you know, assuming you have them, right, connected to secondary, maybe to your back. Maybe it sounds a little bit odd, but really the, the way the laws are written is that uh, and I know, I mean, I know this as well, most statistic certainty. If you can't bend down at all, it means that you can't do a lot of things in life that you used to do, right? Maybe it's playing with your kid. So if you lost some type of enjoyment in life, that in itself is a mental health claim, right? Maybe you weren't denied with depression on active duty, but it's a secondary related to, and it's a little more complicated than that, but it's secondary related to you not being able to physically function in society like you used to. So there's different ways afterwards to go to still at least explore, go after your VA benefits for everything that's currently wrong with you. Let me ask you a question. So I get a VA disability rating, but I'm not happy with the rating. And I now want to appeal that rating decision. Take us through that process. What is that like? And how long does that last? How long does it take to achieve an adjudication in that process? So that's, you know, now we're talking about really about what I do in my specialty. I tried to give some, you know, knowledge and tips about guys calling off active duty. But for the most part, I don't have guys call back to duty because they don't need me basically for what I what I said, right? Is that you're coming up back to duty, you know what's wrong with you, your medical records, and you, you claim it. Now, if you lose, maybe, you know, then uh, I, I get engaged. But that, that is when that is when I get engaged. Someone has filed a claim and they have lost, right? So here we're on appeal. I don't want to bore you too much with, you know, procedural aspects of the VA, but there's three different ways to appeal a loss. You can go supplemental claim lane, you can go high-level review or you go to the Board of Veterans' Appeals. The supplemental claim and high-level review are a little bit faster. It's going to be about four to six months. Board of Veterans' Appeals takes a long, long time. I'm a lot more successful at the Board of Veterans' Appeals, but it takes so long. There's this, this kind of back and forth of, well, why is my claim taking so long when my buddy got his, you know, got 100% rated within four months and we're at the board is taking so long. And so I generally start out trying to do you know, supplemental claim level or high level review first and then go to the board. But to, you know, to answer your question, it depends what level you go is how long it'll take. I, I just heard that appeals take a long time and you've just shown light on that. I had one appeal that I won recently, got it backdated to, and I, I can give you a bigger war stories than this. This just happened this week. Got it backdated to 2001. And so technically that'd been on appeal for 22 years. Wow. And that's a key point that if you appeal, is it backdated? Right. And again, this, this body of law is fairly complicated, but the, the most simple way to put it is the first time you file a claim is the starting point for potentially how far back you can go. It's supposed to be continually pursued, meaning that if you lost, you file an appeal within a year, you lose again, you file an appeal within a year. It needs to be continuous, but there's exceptions to that. There's ways to fight that. But you know, again, the starting point is, is that the earliest you can go back is the date you file your claim. Is there anything that I failed to ask you that you thought we would be talking about? This is your chance to talk about it. There are differences of how you approach, maybe not much different, how you approach maybe filing a claim coming out active duty opposed to filing a claim for the first time 20 years ago. But the five elements are all the same. You're going to have to have, hit the five elements in order to get paid and get back paid. They don't specialize in active duty guys coming off of uh, filing claims. There's a lot of different programs. You're probably more familiar with than me. I think they just had ACAP when I, when I, uh, when I came up mm -hmm. active duty. So I think we you know, did a pretty good job of covering, again, when you hit those five, those five elements, they apply to everyone. 
James, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, where would they find you? Specifically, if they wanted to file a claim or file a PO, how do they find you on the web? Sure, I can just give uh, give you my contact information. Our phone number is 202-996-1300. We're, we are Veteran Legal, is my law firm. And the uh, our email address is advice, that's A-D-V-I-C-E, at veteranlegalrep.com. And reaching out to one of those, uh, either one of those ways is the best. You can always Google my name or type in Veteran Legal as well, and that will we'll come up. Well, James, this is, again, invaluable. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you educating us. And since this is going to be airing on Christmas Eve, I'm going to wish you a Merry Christmas. I appreciate it. Thank you for your service and everyone else uh, listening, served in the military or had a family member. Thank you for you know, your service, their service. And I uh, really enjoy it. I love, I love talking about this. This is what I do. I try to make it a little more you know, simplified, given the time we have. But you know, certainly enjoy it. Uh, enjoyed it. Enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe and tell your friends. After the Jag Corps is a TJW 50 Associates LLC production.